today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There comes those times when God will use the Babylonians, as it were, to chastise us so that we'll repent and come back to Him. And that's what He's doing here. They've misinterpreted, misunderstand, mistook the Babylonian captivity and believed and were deceived that the reason is, is because God's through with us. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Where do we get the idea that God's love is based on our performance? Pastor J.D. will share with us today that God's love for us is not conditional. It knows no bounds. The narrative told through the pages of the Bible contain an incomparable love story. God loves you more than you can know. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 49 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. My will is that this cup would pass from me. If there's another way, but not my will, but thy will be done. That's raw, isn't it? And rightfully so, and it needs to be. This is Jesus in His humanity, taking upon Himself the sins of mankind, and the amount of stress, and the discouragement, and the sheer exhaustion. Does that make you feel insecure to know that the Savior was so exhausted that He could sleep through a storm? That's tired. How many times did He just need to get away and get alone with the Father? Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let's get to verse 5. It gets better, so don't leave yet. Okay, verse verse (laughs) 5. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, speaking of Israel, so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Okay, here we go again. My God will be my strength. Does that make you a little bit uncomfortable to know that there were times when the Savior of the world in His humanity was weak and needed to be strengthened? I want to ask you a question. Where did Jesus go to get His strength during His earthly ministry? You know the answer. He went to the Father. But that means that he would have to need that strength to begin with in the first place. Are you starting to see something here? 
This is who Jesus was. This might be a foreign Jesus to you. You know what's sad to me is that the Jesus of today is, I don't know how else to say it, but he's kind of been, uh, we've kind of cleaned it up a little bit. We don't like to talk about the garden when he was arrested and perspired his own blood. We really don't like to talk about the temptation in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, the the very first Bible verse many memorize is Jesus wept, because it's easy. So (laughs) you can, my Bible memorization verse, Jesus wept. Okay, we laugh, ha ha. Think about that. He cried. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? The Savior of the world cried. Big boys don't cry. That's how we were brought up. Man, as a kid, my dad, oh, if he saw me crying, well, never mind, enough of my childhood problems, but it it was, he was old school. Where I come from, boy, men don't cry. Real men don't cry. Well, I got news for you. Pops. <laughs> Real men do cry because the God-man cried. Jesus wept. He wept over Jerusalem. I mean, I... You know, and and sometimes when we read it in our Bibles, we miss it because it's just words on the page. Put yourself there. He is heartbroken. And he just breaks down and weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could just gather you as a mother hen. Just he, He wept over them. How about Lazarus? Remember that account? Man, I mean Mary and Martha, these two sisters. They're not too happy with Jesus. Even Mary. I mean, we could get Martha, you know, because the whole kitchen, when they had him over for dinner, remember that one? When Martha's really mad, tells Jesus, you tell my sister to get in there and help me. We got work to do. She's just sitting there at your feet. Hanging on every word. Hmm. That's a, that might be their Christmas sermon. I don't know. Because I think too many of us have a Martha Christmas and not a Merry Christmas because we're so busy. I'm going to leave that one right there between you and the Holy Spirit. So you got these two, this is our brother we're talking about. Well, keep in mind, that Lazarus and Jesus were close friends. And they're not too happy with him when he finally shows up. Oh, nice feet to drop by. Four days later, where were you? If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, Jesus has got to deal with this first. <laughs> Obviously, you're taking issue with me. I get it. Never imagine Jesus being harsh with disdain and disgust in his responses. No, it was one of compassion. And you just, if you only knew, 
If you only knew what I was going to do. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? Yeah, but if you'd have been here three days ago, what, what, why, would, why didn't you come? Don't you care? And then, of course, I love that in the King James. It's been four days and he stinketh. <laughs> this is before, you know, embalming and all the modern day ways we take care of the bodies, but he just shouts at his word. Lazarus, come forth, and he does. Oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on a camel there to see that and the expression on their faces. But we're also told that Jesus showed visible emotion. He was deeply upset. And it wasn't because Lazarus died. He was going to raise him from the dead. It wasn't that. What grieved his heart so? What upset him so? It was their unbelief. These are people that have been spending a lot of time with Jesus. And even Jesus would say to the disciples, have I been with you so long and you still don't get it? And again, don't imagine the Savior having this curt, terse response in his voice. What's the matter with you people? How long have you, you, how many miracles have you seen me do? What's the matter with you? No, it's none of that. It's like, (laughs) you're killing me, you're breaking my heart, and it's emotion, it's raw emotion. Here's the point, and we'll move on, and we need to move on. But never equate weakness as being synonymous with meekness. Nothing could be further from the truth. The humility on the part of the Savior, the meekness to even admit that you need strength, that's humility. The proverb says with humility comes wisdom. And conversely, by the way, with pride comes folly. If Humility is the catalyst for wisdom, then so too is pride the catalyst for folly. Well, verse 6, indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus again speaking, the prophet Isaiah writing, and this speaks to how Jesus would be the one to bring Israel back to the Lord. I think it's Romans 11 verse 26, where the whole house of Israel gets saved. And not just Israel, but even beyond Israel, to reach to the uttermost parts of the earth to bring salvation to the Gentiles. You understand that you're either a Jew in this context or a Gentile. What's a Gentile? Someone who's not a Jew. What's a Jew? Someone who's not a Gentile. So in this context, unless you're a Jew, anybody here a 
Go ahead, raise your hand. It's safe. You can... Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think I knew that, by the way. Okay. Well, in Christ there's no distinction, right? But in this context, you were either a Jew or a Gentile. And then Jesus comes, and in Christ there is no differentiation, no distinction, no delineation between Jew, Gentile, Arab, (laughs) Hawaiian, Portuguese, Chinese, Japanese, there's no distinction. Verse 7, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to Him whom man despises, to Him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and He has chosen you. What's this about? Well, this is a prophecy, very important one, by the way, concerning Jesus at His first coming being rejected. And that's exactly what happened. But at His second coming, no. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is a prophecy that was fulfilled at His first coming, and it will be fulfilled at His second coming. Verse 8, thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and give you, listen to this, very important, as a covenant to the people. In other words, Jesus is not going to bring a covenant or sign a covenant. Jesus is the covenant to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. That, verse 9, you may say to the prisoners, go forth, To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads, and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. This is a prophecy yet future about the ministry of the Savior of the world. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to heal the sight of the blind. He's going to be a covenant to the people, and this will be the acceptable time. The day of salvation. The Apostle Paul will quote this passage here in Isaiah in his second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 6. And he's emphasizing, almost pleading, concerning now, keyword now, not tomorrow, not later, Now, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Today, not tomorrow. Don't delay. Verse 10, they shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water he will guide them. 
I, verse 11, will make each of my mountains a road, and my highways shall be elevated. Surely these shall come from afar. Look, those from the north and the west, and these from the land of Sinim. In other words, they're going to come from the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want to draw your attention to verse 11, and I want you to think of it like this. I will make each of my mountains a road. Think about the Ko'ala mountain range. I'm going to make a way. You're going to make a road? Yeah. You're going to make a way? Yeah. You're going to elevate the highways and level the mountains and make a road out of them? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Watch me now. In other words, I'm going to make a way so that those from afar, from the uttermost parts of the earth, can come to me. This is another one of those dual prophecies, meaning that it was fulfilled in the immediate sense when God delivered his people out of Babylon, and here again will be fulfilled ultimately yet future at his second coming, at the end of the seven year tribulation. Verse 13, sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have mercy on His afflicted But Oh, I wish there wasn't a verse 14. Can we just go back to verse 13? I like verse 13, because we're going to sing, we're going to rejoice in the The mountains are going to break out with praise. And why are we praising God? Because He's going to comfort His people. He's going to have mercy on His people. But, verse 14, well, we actually need a verse 14. Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. What? Wait a minute. What are you saying? Well, first, and this is important, here Isaiah is turning a corner of sorts and really posing a question that the Lord for the remainder of this chapter and Lord willing next week in chapter 50 is going to answer. Because apparently his people think that God is mad at them that God has forgotten them, that God has forsaken them. Remember now, and don't be too hard on them, because we do this all the time. When we're going through a hard time, God must be mad at me. And yet you're telling me to sing and be joyful? No, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. The Lord doesn't care about me. Don't let the enemy do that to you. I hate to say it like this, but for lack of a better way of saying it, one of the greatest successes of the devil is to get you to believe and be deceived that God is angry with you. Because if he can get you to think that way, then you're going to distance yourself from God. Well, there comes those times when God will use the Babylonians, as it were, to chastise us so that we'll repent and come back to him. And that's what he's doing here. They've misinterpreted, misunderstand, mistook 
the Babylonian captivity and believed and were deceived that the reason is, is because God's through with us. Have you ever had the enemy say that to you before? Man, you really blew it this time, dude. God's not too happy with you. In fact, I think God's pretty much through with you. He's headed up to here with you, (laughs) you know. And now, I guess the reason we need a verse 14 is because what comes after a verse 14 is a verse 15. I know that's deeply profound. But from verse 15 on, God is going to reassure them, no, I haven't forgotten you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I love you. I'm not angry with you. Yeah, but man, I really blew it this time. Like God surprised. Could you imagine? When you sin like God's in heaven going, I can't believe he did that. Verse 15, listen to the response to this notion that God's mad at me, God's through with me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will never forget you. Perish the thought. Don't give that another thought. It will never happen. That's not who I am. That's not how I am. I will never leave you. I, will ne- I know it feels like it. But if you want to walk by feelings and not by faith, then you're going to reap the consequences and drink from that cup. You, you don't <laughs> live by your feelings, because I'm, I'm not feeling the love right now. I'm sitting here in Babylon, been captive for 70 years since I was a kid. I think God's pretty much through with us, through with me. I'm not feeling it, as we say. God's saying, forget your feelings. It's not your feelings. It's my word. I've given you my word. And my word to you is, I will never leave you. I will never forget you. I will never forsake you. And listen to verse 16. Oh, may this be etched indelibly on our hearts and minds. Since I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. Wow. Doubtless you've heard it said that you want to know how much God loves you. Jesus was on that cross saying this much. Greater love hath no man that he would lay down his life for another. To a Thomas, who I think sadly gets a lot of bad press, we call him Doubting Thomas. I don't think that's fair. Because Jesus didn't rebuke him. Again, just love and compassion. Thomas, here, look, at, look, at the, look at the love that I have for you. You see the spikes, the scars in my hands? I've etched you in the palm of my hands. That's how much I love you. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.